Well, if you got your Bibles this morning, however you access those, you can pull up Matthew 28 is where we're going to be. The passage will also be on the screen uh, behind us as well. And as I mentioned, we're kind of focusing on vision this morning and moving forward. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever had a problem with your actual vision of being able to, to see. Uh, I, I had great vision as a kid. And then when I kind of hit middle school, things started to get a little blurry. Uh, I didn't go to school and I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't sit in the back anymore. I couldn't read uh, the, the chalkboard. And so I had to move up front and just steadily got worse and worse. And uh, by the time I kind of hit my mid-20s, I think I was considered technically legally blind. It was like 2,400. Like I, every, if I didn't have my glasses or my contacts in, I couldn't distinguish like who you were. I would just, you know, hopefully get your name right or like get close enough to you. And people would try to figure out what I was doing. But I, just a few years ago, I had LASIK surgery. And you talk about a change of life. Like all of a sudden, I went from not being able to see every morning, having to put contacts in or or wear glasses everywhere you went to like waking up in the morning and like being able to see actually what time it was and actually seeing like my wife beside me. I'm like, oh, that's what you look like in the morning, you know, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful, you know, but uh, but we've maybe you've all dealt with vision problems before. I remember this friend of mine, uh, church I used to serve at, a uh, guy I'd known for years, his vision started to deteriorate, but he would not do anything about it. He would not admit it. He just could not come to the fact where he could admit that he could not see like he used to. And one day we were driving in a car, and uh, I knew he needed to go to the doctor ASAP because he stopped at a red mailbox thinking it was a stop sign. And he went through like two stop signs, not even seeing those. And I'm like, all right, Mr. Upchurch, you need to go have your eyes checked tomorrow because I don't want you to to die in some car accident. And what I want us to do today is basically, sometimes as a church or as a people and even as Christians, we can just keep going through life and act like our vision never deteriorates. We never get our eyes off the ball. We never recalculate and refocus on what God has called us to do. And so what I want us to do today is to make sure we're tuned in, we kind of look through the lenses and we really get focused in on what God has for us for 2018. And so that's our goal for today. And so however, as we, <coughs> as we look at this goal, I want you to hear a couple of things. Our goal is not to come up with some kind of new vision, some kind of new ideas or new programs. Our goal is to make sure that our vision is aligned with the vision of Christ for our church, that he has already set out. Many churches I know make their vision focused on bigger and better. More people, more money, more buildings, etc. all those things. And to me, those are byproducts of a vision, not the vision itself. Would we love to see more people coming in here on Sunday morning? Certainly. But that's not our vision. Because if we just want to fill this room up, maybe we could do some things that wouldn't honor what God called us to do. We want to make sure that what we accomplish is what God set before us, not just to hit some metrics. So our goal today isn't trying to get better measurements, better better metrics, but is to make sure that we are measuring up to Jesus' simple plan for what he has called his followers to do. And so I want to begin by reading this passage out of Matthew 28 today that's kind of been known as kind of the marching orders or the measuring stick for what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be part of the body of Christ. It's called the Great Commission. And as we look at this passage It's really made up of three very simple sentences. 
Jesus' last message on earth was not this prolonged soliloquy monologue, you know, recounting all the greatness in three sentences. He leaves an incredible challenge of how we'd step forward. And so let's look at this and read through it right quick, and then we'll kind of dig in together. Matthew 28, verse 16 is where we're starting. It says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but still some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, here's the three sentences, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Three simple sentences. Let me give you a little context of what's happening here. So Jesus had lived. He had been born. Christmas had happened, you know, born, raised. He had lived his whole 33 years. He had been crucified at this point, arrested, crucified, been nailed on the cross, been put in the grave. Three days later, his bodily resurrection. Jesus has now been walking around, appearing to people, connecting with people after his resurrection. And he had told the disciples, basically, your time with me is coming to an end. And so he invited them to come up to this mountaintop. And at that mountaintop, he was going to give them one last admonition. You know, I love the fact here, sometimes when we hear about the ascension or things like that, it like the, the picture is this huge crowds of people gathering, watching Jesus going up into the air. But when we study scripture, the, the only ones we can know that were there for sure were, says the 11 or his disciples. It's kind of a close-knit crowd. It was like a family, like almost Jesus' church, where he's like, hey, I want to give you one last statement. Two or three things to think about to make sure you're on track for when I'm not here. For when I step away and you begin to lead out in this. So he's kind of give them their marches towards to his closest friends. And I love how simple Jesus made it. Following Jesus and even our work as a church is actually pretty simple work. When it becomes difficult following Jesus, and I'm not talking about making the right choices, but like when we start thinking that following Jesus means I have to do this, 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 and we start adding and adding and adding, and we're like, it becomes overwhelming, we're we're actually moving farther away from what Jesus called us to do. It's a very simple call to follow, even as a church. We try to remain very simple as a church because what God has set out, what Jesus set out here, was a very simple calling. He didn't say, here are the 26 ministries of the church you should have. Make sure you have a men's ministry, a women's ministry, a softball team. Make sure you have this going. Maybe sure you have this level of kids ministry. You need 16 classes for these many people. He didn't lay any of that out. He gave us three very simple sentences to look at. And that's what I want to look at, these three sentences today. And the first one is found in verse 18. It said, Jesus came and he said this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The first sentence, the key word, is authority. Authority. And this is key. I love that Jesus starts here because it is important to remember who is the ultimate authority in our church. It's not me. It's not some other leader. It's not what consensus we come up with. It's not majority rules. The authority in our church is Jesus, his life, his teachings, his commands. Jesus' voice above all others, even others in Scripture, doesn't just carry more weight. It carries all of the weight. Every bit of it. His voice is the total voice, the complete voice. 
And so when we think about that, there's certain implications. And the implication is this. The vision, direction, and values of our church aren't ours to decide, but simply ours to implement according to what Jesus has commanded. So when we talk about Vision Sunday, when I come to this Sunday, it's not like, hmm, what do I want to do this year? What do we want to try to accomplish this year? It's like we actually look at what he's going to lay out in this Great Commission and say, how do we make sure we're lining up with that? How do we make sure we're staying on path? It's so easy. We, we live in a, a country of consensus, don't we? I mean, majority rules most of the time. You know, whoever gets the most votes wins except in presidential elections. It doesn't work that way. You know, we, we have this mentality of like, all right, that's what the majority says, so that's what we got to do. But that's not the way the church is designed to work. We're part of the body of Christ, but he is the head of the church. And so we take our commands, we take our directives from him. But there's a second sentence, and this now moves us from his authority to what are the actions that we should actually do. And so look at the second sentence here and he says now here's i have the all the authority and so let me tell you what to do he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you we've been given some very simple but oh so meaningful commands here some actions to follow and he, he lays them out very simply he says the first one is this let other people know your first command, your first action as a church should be to let other people know about what's going on. Go make disciples of all nations. He's saying you cannot isolate yourselves are the message of Christ. It is so tempting for us to think, and we even talked about this at our New Year service, that like doing good means trying to get rid of the bad in my life, so I isolate myself. Where doing good is actually going, finding places the gospel's not, and interjecting ourselves there. Putting good into the world. So the church is not about isolating and hiding and creating a, a holy huddle where we can just hang out and, you know, sing songs together but never let anybody know about what's actually going on in here. He says, go. This isn't a, a command to go conquer the world. It's not a command to go convert the world. It is simply a command to leave here, go live life, and let everybody know about what impact Jesus has made in your life. It's a simple plan. Leave here. We do that anyway. We, you know, we shut the doors eventually here on Sunday. After, but as you leave, the idea is don't leave behind what you learn here, what we do here. And so the first command is to go. Share the love and forgiveness you've experienced. Share the idea that you're experiencing the most pleasure, peace, meaning, and hope that you've ever experienced in your life as you follow Christ. This is what it means to go. Let others no, but then he says this, then go and baptize them. And baptism was a sign of, of unity. And he says, not just let others know, but begin to live in unity with others. Live in unity with other people. I, as I do this, here's the idea. When he laid out that there was authority, as I, you and I submit to the same authority, it becomes much easier for us to live in unity. As I you know, put my authority in Christ, my trust in Christ, and you put your trust in Christ, it is much easier then for us to live in unity together because we're submitting to the same authority. What happens is, is we don't experience unity sometimes because we think, oh, well, this person's the authority here, this person's the authority 
here. Uh, you know, I kind of like that idea, or I like this person when they teach, or that person. And there was a whole example of that in the Bible, right? There were, like, different teachers, and somebody would say, well, you know, I like Paul, I like Barnabas, I like Peter. And Paul finally said, I don't care who you like, it's all Jesus. It's all coming from Jesus. And that's what we have to understand is that we as a body need to be unified. And I praise God that that has been a defining characteristic of our church. We have been, from the beginning, been a very unified church. Unified in our love for the Lord. Unified in our love for people. Unified in our our mission. That's not been a hard thing for us. But as we grow, that's something we need to make sure that we guard. We move in unity toward one another as we move in submission to God. Then the third thing he says here is, he says, you know, once you do this, then begin to teach them to observe all that I command. He said, there's, then we have to learn about obedience. You have to let other people know. You have to live in unity. And then you have to learn to obey. It says, teaching them to obey. For us to obey is more than just saying, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It is not a task list. It's not a checkbox. Thank God for that, because I would fail that checkbox every day. There are things that I know I should do every day that I don't do. And there are things that I shouldn't do every day that I end up doing. Chase, one of our a pastor that we, him and I both know, a guy named John Maxwell, he was talking about a prayer that John, John's favorite prayer was, he says, God, I, today I haven't done this. I haven't, you know, done anything bad. I haven't said anything bad to anybody. I haven't had a bad attitude and I haven't done this. But then he also said, but I haven't gotten out of bed yet either. And it's just, I, you know, it's easy to do that until we start to walk it out and live out obedience. Obedience is actually this. Obedience is the desire to begin to adhere our lives to the example of Christ, to the teachings of Christ. It isn't about how little we can do to get by with. It's actually about how much we can adhere to the life of Christ. He says to be holy as I am holy, to set your life as an example as Christ did. And when we do this, this causes growth in our life, maturity, faith development. And this is what we're called to do as a church. The actions of the church are these three things. Let other people know, live in unity with one another, and learn to obey. And it's this cycle that plays out, right? This isn't a one and done. This is continually happening. It's not like, all right, that one guy at work, I finally told him I go to church. So I've let other people know I'm done. And, like, I'm living in unity. That, that one guy at church I've never talked to and didn't really, I just didn't like the way he looked, I finally said hello to him. I'm like, okay, we're on good terms now. And I finally stopped doing this, whatever this is. So I, I've done the work of the church. That's not, it's this cycle that plays out into our life. Because if I, if I start letting people know about what's going on in my life, I start living in unity with my other brothers and sisters in Christ, and then I start learning and adhering my life more to the things of Christ, then guess what? As I'm out with other people, they're going to ask, hey, what's changed about you? Something's changed. And yes, now I have something new to talk about. I have some way new to have unity with one another and something new to learn. It's this constant cycle that plays out in our lives and should play out in the life of our church. That's the vision of church. The vision of the fellowship of believers is the idea to let other people know, live in unity, and learn to obey. These are incredible implications, though, for us because as we embrace this, we begin this cycle of faith development in our life. 
Can I tell you, I, I know churches that have grown in numbers. I've been a ch- part of churches that have grown in numbers, but never really seen any faith development in people. It's just people attending a concert or people liking a guy, hearing a guy teach because he's funny or entertaining. But we as a church, I tell people all the time, I don't want people leaving here going, you know, good music or good message. I want people leaving here going, God challenged me. I was challenged to think about what next step I need to take or to go let somebody know what was going on or to live in unity with each other. That's the role of the church. And that's the implication. The third sentence says this. It's verse 20, and it says, And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In this third sentence, what this gives us is assurance. Assurance. This isn't something that we do alone. Jesus didn't give this command and say, All right, go for it. I'll check in with you in about 2,000, 3,000 years and see how it's going. See if it's still happening. Jesus isn't this distracted and distant observer looking down from heaven, hoping that we can figure this out. He isn't this coach sitting on the sidelines, hoping that we can make a big play. Jesus is in the game with us. He is calling the plays. He's prompting us to move. He's giving us clear directions. And you're like, well, I I don't see that in my life. And maybe it's because we're not having certain things activated in our life. And I know one of the ways I've really felt the presence of Christ in my life There's really three ways that I feel that. One is through prayer. Many times we think prayer is me asking God for something. God, would you do something for me? Like, I need this person sick, would you heal them? I'm having this problem at work, would you fix it? I'm having this problem in a relationship, would you fix that person? You know, we have all these kind of things that we like to pray that we want God to do for us. And we turn God into this little genie in a bottle. And when we need something, we rub the lamp and say, all right, God, come through. And when that situation doesn't change, we're like, all right, I guess God didn't hear me. But when we study prayer and scripture, prayer isn't about changing God's mind. Prayer is actually changing our character. When we pray, it's about not moving God into our circumstances. It's moving me under God's authority in my circumstances. It's helping me to better understand the character of God and how it can flow through me no matter what I'm facing. And when we pray like that, when we pray, God, help me see how to better handle this relationship. God, help me understand why I'm going through this difficulty at work. Help me see why this person is sick and what is going on and why I can still have peace and trust in you even through these circumstances. That's what prayer is. It's not a give me, it's a give me to God. It's a whole different focus. And I experience the presence and the assurance of God when I pray like that. I also experience the presence of God when I put things into practice. One of the one of the traps of sitting in a service like this or, and you know this, you can go to any number of conferences, you've been to things for work, you've sat at, you know, lunch and learns, all these kind of things, and you've had information dumped into you. Information itself does not transform. Just knowing something doesn't transform. But it's when you actually begin to do it and put it into practice. And one of the ways I've felt the assurance of God in my life before is when I actually step out on faith. This past week I was at the, uh, Mayor's Interfaith Prayer Breakfast. And it was crazy. I was sitting at a table with, uh, <coughs> it was myself, a Mormon, <laughs> two Presbyterians, a Lutheran, 
a Jewish guy, and a, a, what was the other guy, Episcopalian. So we were all, you know, it was an interesting conversation. But the crazy thing, every table was like that. But one of the speakers that morning is Al Sharpton. And Al Sharpton can be a very divisive character. I don't know what you think about Al Sharpton, but Al Sharpton said one of the things that morning that really stuck with me, and it really made me think about this when I was thinking about practice. He said, don't call yourself a faith leader if you aren't living by faith. And I thought that was such a great statement, and I think it's so true even of the church. Don't call yourself somebody of the faith unless we're actually living by faith. And that's what practice is. It is actually stepping out and trusting God and saying, hey, you said love your enemy. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to step out and see. And when we do that, we see the assurance in the presence of God show up. And then the third way we see the assurance of God show up is just in persistence. And by understanding that we don't know everything. We think that, you know, I, I understand the situation completely. I know what's going on here, and God, I know this situation better than you, so if you would just do this, I've already figured it out, here's the way it needs to be solved, do this. And persistence says, you know what, I don't know everything, and my job is to keep moving forward and to keep learning and to keep growing and to understand that sometimes God puts circumstances in my path to grow me, to challenge me, to open up new ways of seeing things, new ways of interacting with things. I'm so thankful Katie and I, as you, many of you know, Katie and I have been married 25 years, over 25 years now, and I'm so thankful that we are still not at the same level of understanding in our relationship that we were on day one, that we've been through difficulties together. We've been through challenges. We've been through heartache. We've been through great blessings together, great triumphs together, and our bonds have grown so much deeper because of walking through those circumstances with persistence and commitment to one another. And that's what he's saying here. You will experience my assurance as you pray, God, change me. And as you step out and practice what he's done, and as you persist, even through the most difficult circumstances. And the implication of this is that we are strengthened. You and I are strengthened through testing, through fire, through challenges, through perseverance. Our faith is strengthened. Our character is formed and shaped. So that's kind of these three sentences. Is that God's the authority. He's given us certain actions to take and an assurance that he is with us as we step out on these actions. That's the vision. In three simple sentences, before Jesus left this earth, he told his disciples, I'm the authority. Here's some steps you need to take, and I'm here with you. I'm going to help you along the way. And that's the vision of our church. And so how do we, as New City Church, align with this? And I, do, I want to end our time by sharing some specifics and introducing you to some people that will be leading us on some of these specifics. So how are we going to make sure that we are aligned with this simple vision found in these three sentences to let others know about what goes on here, to live in unity, and to learn to obey? And we're going to do that <coughs> Excuse me, in 2018 by focusing on four areas, four areas of focus that when we talk about where we need to be and what we need to be doing and how we need to be stepping forward, it's, it's these four areas. And the first one is, how do we let others know? And, and the words we're going to kind of use for that is trying to do community engage. How do we engage our community? And there's going to be three people that are kind of leading the charge on this for our church. 
You want to introduce that you, you know them, but Chase is going to be one. Chase, you can wave, stand up and wave. Chase has uh, just recently transitioned off of working with his dad full time and started working with the church full time. And uh, that happened in January. And we're so excited to have Chase be leading this area of helping us get, letting other people know about what's going on here. But helping him is going to be Leslie. Leslie, wave at us over here. And uh, if you don't know, Leslie works in social media marketing uh, with some great big companies, and it's going to have a hand in that. And then in the back, you guys should know PJ, my son. PJ is waving at us from back behind the – pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, but uh, PJ is in uh, – he does filmmaking, theater, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, connects with a different audience than I do. And so um, those three will be working together, actually meeting this afternoon to talk about – how do we let people in this neighborhood know about New City Church that don't know about New City Church? How do we let them engage with us in a way? And like one of the best ways we did this was last Tuesday. We were out at Jackson's just doing a community meet and greet, had new people show up, people from the church show up. And it was just a great way to let somebody know to go out into the community instead of expecting the community just to show up here. We're going to be using social media, all that kind of stuff. But we kind of have three focuses with this team and it's to create environments for spiritual conversations. That's our number. We want to help create environments where it's not that we're going to knock, go walk up on somebody's door and say, if you died today, would you go to heaven? That's not a spiritual conversation. But we can start having conversations like, hey, you know, what's your background with church or what's your view of God? Chase has already made a commitment to go and have two of these kind of conversations every week. And he's been doing it with some of his best friends that he grew up with that are far from God. And it's been amazing. I would encourage you to come talk to him about what he's learning through those conversations, the doors that it's beginning to open. And it's not that through those conversations they have to be here this week, but it's starting them to think about something that they haven't thought about in a long time. The second thing is then through that we create opportunities for the gospel to be interjected. And again, this isn't preaching, but it's just when, when you talk to somebody, I've done this thousands of times when you talk to somebody about their view of God or where church is eventually they're going to ask you that question back and it's very simple to interject a piece of the truth there so like when when people ask me about my view of God I give them a very simple short answer like I believe the God of the Bible who is the creator and sustainer of all things like that's it I don't go into the trinity and the union between God and man that Jesus like it's a very simple answer but I'm just interjecting the gospel they're continuing the conversation, which eventually lead for occasions for personal invitations. That's, that's what this team and this focus is about. Community engagement is spiritual conversations, interjecting the gospel, and then personal invitations. And that personal invitation doesn't always have to be to church on Sunday. It could be to a meet and greet at Jackson's or another restaurant. It could be to a small group. It could just be to coffee to keep the conversation going. It's just an invitation. And then when we talk about living in unity, the next focus is to make sure as we as a congregation are connecting with one another, is that those that call New City Church their home, we're finding ways that we're relationally connecting with each other. And this is made up of a team of three people as well. You guys know Jeremy, and sitting in the back corner back there, Jeremy teaches down here, one of our uh, leaders on staff. And uh, Jeremy's going to be involved in this team, helping lead this team out of how do we care and create connection points within those that have already come in. But helping him is going to be a guy, John Ramirez. Most of you know John. John's actually speaking at a Polish church this morning down in Greenpoint. 
And so he'll be a part of that as well. And then my wife, Katie, who you most of you have met but rarely see because she works in the children's area, uh, is helping do that with families and children. So that those three people will be focusing on how do we connect as a congregation. It's really three areas, right? It's engaging through relationships. One of the things that we don't want to see happen here is that you come and hang out in this room and you're not known. That nobody knows you. Or you're like, I, I get this all the time. Who, who is that person sitting a couple rows behind me? They've been coming for a few weeks. I should know their name now, but I don't know their Like, you know, we have those, and those are okay to have. But we want to have this idea that this is a family. This is a place where you can find relationships, where you can find a chance to go deeper. This city, you know, can be an isolating city. We can go to our apartments and hang out there. We can <coughs> walk down the street with... You know, a thousand other people and not speak to anybody. But we want to be a place where you connect relationally. But we also want you to experience or exercise your gifts in service. Like to serve with hospitality, to serve with worship, to serve with children, to serve as we do some things out in the community. Because as we serve, we feel like God's given us some gifts to use, but as we serve and as we serve together, that's how we connect with one another. It's not just showing up on Sunday, but it's serving together and then the third way that our congregation connects is by expressing love and generosity it's by leading us and saying how can we as a congregation use our resources to make an impact in people's lives how can we gather resources here through this organization in such a way that if we see a need in our neighborhood we can make an impact immediately we see a need in some country that needs help we can make an impact immediately that we can express love through generosity that's how we live in unity with one another and then when it talks about learning to obey and growing and stepping out into our next level of faith the way we're going to talk about this is is how does our church multiply how do we multiply as a church and there's going to be a team leading this as well and that team is going to be made up of michael hill in the back you guys know michael and then christy dyer is going to be on this team as well and Steve Chambers. Where'd Steve go? He's it's in the back. Steve's in the back, back there. But Steve, who preached last week and plays for us, they're going to be a part of leading us in this as well as doing aspects of this. And multiplying as a church means a couple of things. is that we, are multiple, we have multiple leaders being developed. It's not that these 12 people are the only leaders in our church. One of the tasks that I put out to these 12 is to multiply yourself. As a team, find other people that are as passionate about this as you are, and let's walk in this journey together. And so we're multiplying leaders. Some of you have been coming to our church, been a part of our church for a long time. You've been serving. You've been giving. You've been coming to groups and things like that. But now it's time to step to be a leader, to say, where can I lead as a person in this church? But we're also going to do a couple other very tangible things. We're going to have multiple language services. You guys know we already have a Korean-speaking congregation upstairs. One of our focuses this year is to add a third language. We're focusing on maybe Spanish as being our next step, adding a Spanish-speaking service here in this location. We're becoming multilingual, have multi-languages happening under one roof. We have 60 different ethnic backgrounds represented in this neighborhood. I don't see a day that we're going to have 60 languages being taught here, but we may have three, four, five being taught in this one location. 
We're connecting with people from different cultures. This is how we teach others to learn to obey. And then the third thing is that we're going to have multiple location campuses as well. This year, we're going to focus on two areas. And we've been, over the last two years, we've been doing research. We've been using mission teams that have come up. We've been focusing on multiple areas, doing research, figure out where is there a need for a church? Where does it fit with who we are? And this year, finally, God has brought the leadership and the opportunity to begin to step out in these areas. And so over this year, we're going to be looking at launching two additional congregations. One is going to be in the Queensboro Plaza area with Michael and Christy taking the lead on that area. Three subway stops away from us in a tremendously growing area of our own neighborhood. I mean, there are, there are more apartments going up there now than there are down here on the waterfront. And that area is in need of a church. It's in need of a church that's going to teach the teachings of Christ and let other people know and do this mission that's going on. We're also going to be partnering with Steve and Tony and their family to launch something on the west side of Manhattan. Steve and Tony already live on the west side and have been engaging that area and figuring out what would be the best sites and things like that. But we're going to come alongside and partner with them and say, how do we get something started on the west side of Manhattan? Another very big need area. And I want to be very clear. We're going to ask some of you to consider helping those congregations get started. It doesn't mean that you have to immediately stop going to this location and start going to that location. But it's a year to year and a half process to get something like that going. And we need people that live in that area or that are passionate about multiplication or that would consider just, hey, for a season, I'll be part of a team that helps get something new started. Some of us, myself included, love to be a part of new things versus established things. And if that's where you get your energy from, I want to challenge you to maybe begin praying about, hey, how can I come along one of those two areas? Or maybe I know somebody who speaks Spanish who's a believer, and I could connect our church to that person and how we get a Spanish service going. So that's church multiply. And then there's a way that all three of these come together where we let people know where we live it out and where we learn. And it's in this environment right here. It's in our worship gatherings. And there's going to be a team that we've put together to begin to lead and step forward in what we do here. And that team is going to be Drew uh, Jenkins, who you guys know is one of our worship leaders, and then William and Miranda uh, that are part of our worship leaders as well. They're going to be taking the ownership of how what we do in here and what this environment is on Sunday mornings, how do we make sure when those that we've let know about this place show up that they feel welcome and connected? How are we making sure that we're helping them learn to grow and begin to live in unity with each other? And so they're going to be talking about new things that we can do in here, new ways that maybe you say, hey, I don't sing or play, but maybe you can come and share a little bit. There's different ways that we can all be involved even in here. And we do this through Christ-centered worship. Uh, environments. How do we create Christ-centered worship environments? Creating authentic worship expressions. And then also by creating corporate worship engagement, where it's not just them performing and us listening. It's, it's this engagement in these moments. And I'm excited for what this team's going to do. And so my question as we end today is this. What about you? What about you? Where are you most gifted to serve? In this vision alignment with what God has called us to do. As I was walking through those four things, did one of them just make your heart beat a little faster? Did you think about community engagement and go, you know what? I I connect with others that are outside of the faith very (laughs) easily. Or maybe our our church congregation and 
connecting our church and making sure people that sit on this side of the room, people sit on this side of the room, people sit in front and the back, that they all connect together. Maybe that's where you feel like you can engage. Or maybe we talked about multiplying. You were like, yes, that's something I could get behind. Or as we talked about worship, these gatherings together in this environment, that's where you got excited. I want to challenge you. While we each should be doing each of these areas, this isn't siloed. They all fit together in this vision. While we should each be doing each of these areas, we have all been uniquely gifted to lead and to serve primarily in one of these areas. And I want to challenge you as a church. Part of our vision is to say, this isn't something we just say, it's something we do. And we start to put it into practice with our hands and our feet and our hearts. And so I want to challenge you as we close our service today to not let this just be a sermon that sits with you, but to make you actually get up out of your seat and to start thinking about where I can serve and where I can engage, where I can take my next step. And maybe it's a small step, and a small step is a great step. Small step is better than no step. Maybe it's just moving from saying, hey, I've been coming, to now I'm ready to serve somewhere. You can reach out to any of us on that leadership group and say, hey, I'm ready to serve. What can I do? We have opportunities. Maybe it's just even just to begin to say, you know what, we've, we've got new groups coming up, is to, to take another step relationally and get to know people, some people in this church at a different level by showing up at a group or becoming part of a discipleship circle or just starting to meet one-on-one with somebody. You can pick up information on the table about our growth strategies here at church and learn what our community groups are all about, what our discipleship circles are all about, and what our personal relationship and personal mentoring is all about. But maybe it's taking a step relationally. Or just maybe it's taking a step to start to pray and say, God, help me know what my next step is. But whatever it is, my challenge to you is to this. Let these three simple sentences that Jesus left for his disciples may they take root in our lives as well. And we would start to leave where we are and live out what God has called us to do to let other people know to get them engaged here as well. Let's pray together.